Hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler. Joined today with number one, Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. And number two, Pete DeMeo. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. And number three, Philip Fariska. Welcome back all you honorary fuel agains. Oh, you're back to the traditional one today. Last yep. week you... You, you diverged a little bit, so we're, we're glad that you're back in your safe zone. But also, you're no longer recording in the closet, is what I hear, because you moved house and your closet is not large enough for for uh, the podcast recording. Yep, I'm in a bedroom now. Hopefully it's not too echoey. It doesn't sound too bad right now, but folks will let us know if it does, I'm sure. Some, some of these audio files are pretty quick to point out bad uh, audio performance but they've been a lot more tolerant of late because of the situation everyone being separated and such so we get a free pass exactly and what we lack in quality of audio we do make up for in quality of content hopefully so that that definitely buys us some some glad tidings from everyone in addition to the fuelgans today ladies and gentlemen we have a good friend of the show longtime listener someone we've talked about or at least his company we talked about it a lot He's had representatives of his company on the show before, uh, two or three times, I think three times may have been on, and that is Ed St. Ange with Flip2. How are you doing, sir? Making your I'm debut. Great. I felt like I needed to do the, hey guys, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> well, you just did. So, <laughs> uh, which is true. We've known each other for several years. We've gotten pretty friendly. We probably know a little too much about each other, but we we invited you on the show today because you've got some great things going on over there at Flip2, and specifically your clients, your customers, your partners, they have some really cool things going on and something that our listeners can learn a thing or two from. So that's we're going to be talking about some great campaigns that people are running through the Flip2 platform today. So should be fun. But before we get into that, What's going on in the news of Well, with hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news of I love it. Back to traditional. Uh, yeah. This is this is this is the traditional buttoned up, straight as an arrow kind of a show today. Today, I like it. Let's keep going. That well, way. you know, I think we've all kind of talked about that transition between the the current events and heading into the recovery and, you know, more and more we're seeing the recovery starting to take place. And that's actually what this news item is about. This is, comes to us from travel pulse and the headline is Walt Disney clears latest safe opening hurdle. What they're doing is they, they've been in negotiations with their uh, employee union and have worked out all the details to where they're going to be opening Disney Springs which is their restaurant, dining, shopping, entertainment complex that they have on May 20th. So in literally five days from when we're recording this. Yeah. Beyond that, we know that they have already accepted, started taking reservations for the on-property resorts for July 1. So, I'm sorry, was that a July 1 or was that a... I'm sorry, yeah, for July 1, uh, which is big. That means from Disney's perspective, they're staffing up, they're getting ready, and once Disney reopens, then I think that's going to be a uh, a major 
milestone in this recovery. Yeah, and we, we'd originally reported on the show a few weeks ago that Disney had announced a June 1 open of their theme parks, where they subsequently pushed that back to July 1. But, Ed, you're, you're right there. You're based in Orlando. So what what's the word on the street in your neck of the woods? Yeah, um, listen, the, the, the market as a whole kind of grimaced when Disney moved from June 1 to July 1. Um, I know a lot of the hotels that had closed due to lack of demand, because uh, first of all, our market wasn't required to close hotels. Um, you know, they were all aiming for opening a week or two prior to June 1. A lot of them have now pushed uh, in into the middle of June for their reopening uh, because Orlando is very much a market that relies on compression uh, to, to fill hotels. Um, I will say uh, Universal has opened their CityWalk, which is their Disney Springs type experience uh, this week. And the opening was insane. Uh, it, it was so crowded that there were over two and a half hour waits for every restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're seeing similar things in the Myrtle Beach market. You know, we, we just opened uh, the hotels, was soft opened on May 1st. And then today is their official, you, they can take new reservations that weren't already on the books. But the restaurants, the hotels, the traffic has all picked up in the last couple of weeks tremendously. And, and booking pace, Melissa, if you want to talk a little bit about that, what we've been seeing in this market over the last couple of weeks. It's gone gangbusters. So <laughs> we're at, I think, 10 days straight now of year-over-year year increased revenue. At first, right, same so day. unpack that. What does that mean, increased revenue? What do you mean? From compared to same days last year, we are now booking more revenue online for the last 10 days straight. More yeah. revenue. So so keep in mind that the occupancy on the books is significantly lower. So we've got a big hole to dig out of. But what, what Melissa is saying is the demand right now of booking, the booking pace and the demand right now is higher than it was at the same time last year. That's a good sign, and, and it's going to take time, but we will eventually kind of close the gap to where occupancy levels are going to be comparable to last year. It, that may not be until July or August, but it is. we are moving in that direction for at least this market. And we're seeing similar things in other beach destination markets, mountain and outdoorsy type markets as well. So it's going to take different amounts of time for recovery for different areas, especially inner cities and folks that rely heavily on groups or rely heavily on international travel. But there are definitely sprout little green shoots sprouting out now that are showing that there's a demand, that recovery is kind of heading in the right direction. We just hope now that that continues and we don't see a massive resurgence of this virus. Yeah, speaking to demand, we've, we've seen a uh, very similar trend in Google Trends for some more broad terms, uh, broad queries for our area, specifically Myrtle Beach that I've been looking at recently. Um, it, it was typically we see a trend from increasing from February through you know midsummer, probably Fourth of July, and then it then it tails off. Um, we were seeing the opposite from February and March and April. Um, but just so far in in May, uh, we actually hit the the peak of of our Google trends so far for the year. Um, so interest and demand is definitely picking back up. Yeah. And we, we had an interesting debate earlier today on Lauren Gray's This Week in Hospitality Marketing show. 
in, in one of the questions posed was, is this kind of a phantom anomaly? Are we going to see this massive initial demand come in from folks that are early adopters, but then is it going to peter out or is the bubble going to burst? And, and I think the data we're looking at suggests there's a bell curve of demand. People are going to start getting uh, back into travel at different times based on their own individual experiences and tolerance levels and fears and motivators. So there's probably going to be a, an initial peak, but we don't anticipate demand just disappearing after, say, 30 days. We, don't, we think it's going to continue and be sustained unless there's a massive resurgence or something catastrophic that happens. We think that this is going to be a continual positive trajectory. From well, and I out. think you hit, the, you hit the nail on the head with it being the early adopters going in. And just like when the early adopters first bought the iPhone, everybody else is standing back and kind of seeing what happens. If your friends go on a vacation to Disney or Universal, they come back, they have a great time and go on about their lives. That is all of the encouragement I think the rest of the world or market will need to to pack their bags and, and travel again. But it really does depend on what those early adopters and early travelers come back with. You know, if, if we start seeing a, a resurgence in COVID, then, you know, all bets are off. Yeah. It, every adoption of everything ever, everything we ever consume is always somewhat of a bell curve where you've got these outliers that are adventurous or risk takers that are going to, or, or extremely interested in whatever it is, they're going to take the risk. And then you're going to have the followers that will come behind them, then the early majority, the late majority, and then the laggards, right? It, it always happens that way. And you're right, Pete. We're going to be watching closely everyone around us, and we're going to start seeing our social feeds fill up with people that are gradually dipping their toe into it. And I don't know about you, but every experience that there is, I've seen people increase in that participation over time, whether that was going to the grocery store, whether it's now going to a restaurant and sitting outside or now in South Carolina restaurants can open outside or inside. So I think we're going to see the same with travel uh, and people are going to dip their toe in. They're going to travel short distances and then eventually get back to flying and go into massive group meetings. It's just going to take a little while to get there. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be interesting too, because it's, it's going to take more than just a light resurgence, I think, because think about the nature of travel. Uh, you know, your your travelers are coming in from a pretty wide band of geography. So even if there's a mini uh, spread, uh, that mini spreads going back home, it won't be concentrated. Uh, so it may not register unless it becomes truly problematic. So, you know, the the idea that um, any type of resurgence uh, can can cause a slowing of this, I think it's going to take an extreme resurgence to to slow people down, uh, at least from what I'm seeing uh, in in consumer behavior thus far. Yeah, and especially when you look at the way this this virus, tackles people in, in the incubation period, which is somewhat unknown, and symptoms manifesting somewhat unknown. If most people are traveling for maybe six, seven days, and chances are they're not going to catch the, the virus or be exposed to it on the first day, so maybe it's the second or third, they're not going to be symptomatic till they go back home. And, and they may not even know where they got it from, right? So the, the contact tracing for that is going to be really difficult. So to your point, it does spread out where the cases are. They're not going to show up in... The, the location where they vacationed, it's not going to put a demand on the hospitals in that destination because they're going to be home by the time 
they, they need hospitalization. So it, it's going to be interesting. I think where we could get into trouble is if, say, an, an individual hotel doesn't practice safe methods related to stuff, and then you know 50% of the staff come down with, with a virus. And then you're making headlines like some of these meatpacking plants where 300 people in the same place all tested positive. So that's what you as a hotel operator need to be really careful of is that you're taking care of your staff, that you're making sure that you have the protocols to protect the, the, you know, the guests as well, but that you're doing everything you can with screening, with uh, PPE, everything you can, social distancing, to make sure that you don't end up as a headline on CNN in the next couple of months. All right, so I guess we'll move on from there to the main event, and that is my our good friend Ed with Flip2. So, Ed, we talk a lot about Flip2 on this show, and full disclosure, Flip2 and Fuel have no kind of financial ties to each other whatsoever. We don't, we don't do anything like that. So this isn't a paid sponsorship. This isn't something where we get referral fees, anything of that nature at all. We just happen to be really big fans of the platform. A lot of our clients use it. We recommend it to every new client that comes on. And we've seen tremendous benefits for our clients that do use the platform. So that's why we talk about it a lot because we're basically brand nerds or brand fans or fanboys of the Flip2 platform. So for those audience members that aren't familiar with it, give us the 30,000 foot view of what Flip2 is. Sure. And, and before I jump into that, I, I also want to say, I mean, we, we talk about you all quite a bit. Uh, and I think that's what's interesting about the relationship uh, between Fuel and Flip2 is it's heavily based on the fact that we both respect what the other does for this industry. And I think the 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 really big thing that both companies have in common, which I think is our common bond with each other, is we fundamentally care about the success of the people in this industry and the success of the people we work with, um, which unfortunately isn't always prevalent uh, in in this space. So I think that's part of what caused the initial gravity that uh, brought the two of us together, and uh, you know has has led to a really good relationship that, like you said, is has merely been on uh, a handshake and just a fondness for each other's work. Yeah. Well, the day I found out you didn't do attribution theft, I knew that we wanted to work together. <laughs> attribution theft is real, Stuart. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but to be fair, the, the only reason I'm doing this is Ricky got me a bottle of Buffalo Trace a couple years ago. Which, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, that's how things start. <laughs> Whether or not you can hang around, that's up to quality. <laughs> that is completely true. <laughs> No, but uh, seriously, I mean, we do appreciate uh, all the love you send our way. Um, you know, we we uh, feel the same about you all and and what you all do for this industry with this podcast, with all the data that you're constantly sharing uh, and the effort that you put into helping anyone who wants to do better have a path to do better. I think it's great that you guys do this. Shucks. You're too kind. <laughs> you're too kind. All right. Okay, so back to the question. You. What is Flip2? <laughs> So uh, Flip2 is a marketing platform. And so that sounds like a pretty general thing. Um, you, you know, conceptually, what we wanted to do and, and what we go after to solve for our hotel partners is to give them a, an ability to be more effective at acquiring new guests and maintaining 
a strong bond with their existing guests. And, and that's all done through marketing automation that has strong strategy tied to it. So that's all a bunch of fancy words for we give hotels the ability to implement pretty substantial marketing strategy um, through a platform that's fully designed, fully thought out, and and really helps sure up a lot of uh, soft points in a hotel's marketing strategy, which those soft points, you know, really can be seen as how you engage travelers after they stay with you. Um, how do you stay top of mind with them? How do you turn them into an activated audience to make sure that your happy travelers are introducing you to their friends and family in a warm and trusted way? And then, you know, the, the other aspect of our platform is how do you maximize that opportunity? You know, it's one thing to get a guest to tell their friends and family that they absolutely loved their experience with you. It's another thing to actually be able to maximize uh, conversion from that opportunity. And that's not a, oh, hey, you know Stuart and Stuart stayed with us, book now. Um, it's actually a very long tail uh, funnel, that uh, approach that you need to take. And so flip two out of the box is everything it takes to maximize that side of your business maximizing how many guests will introduce friends and family to you, and then maximizing the opportunity that comes from that to bring their friends and family to be future guests for you. And that turns into pretty substantial scale. And we do it in a way that our average hotel spends maybe 10, 15 minutes a week thinking about this uh, pretty large aspect of their marketing. Yeah. And I think to when when I'm trying to explain it to people what you guys do, a lot of times we kind of talk about Flip2 being an advocacy platform. It turns your happy guests into brand advocates and in, in folks that will go out and, and market. And, and the reason that I think I, I really like it is because it taps into one of one of the theories I think that I agree with most about people and their behavior and their decision making is that people are going to do more likely to do the things that their people in their surrounding circles already do, right? This is why you see certain geographic locations where a lot of people travel to the same destination. It's why, for example, Myrtle Beach has a lot of folks from certain areas in Ohio that come here because their neighbors do and their, their brothers do and their mothers do. So what, what Flip2 really does really well is it taps into the nostalgia, the memory, the reminiscing of a a stay in the form of sharing a photo, sharing a memory of the stay, but then kind of gamifies that and incentivizes the consumer to then go and talk about that publicly on social media and then incentivizes their friends and their families to get involved as well. So it's 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 very complicated, but the, the actual pieces that work are very simple. It's about finding people that already like you and then knowing that they're going to surround themselves with people that look and act very similar and encouraging them to tell, you know, spread through word of mouth. So it's, it's really in a digital age, it is the best word of mouth platform that exists. And there's really nothing else on the market like it. There's a lot of, you know, wannabe companies out there that really only focus on social sharing. And it's one, that's one tiny piece of what you do. It's a byproduct of what you do. What you guys do is a strategy that engages your guest and turns them into a marketing warrior for you. And that's why it really yeah. works well. 
And and really, I mean, you can simplify it even more. The strategy is word of mouth marketing at scale. Yep. I mean, which is a very old idea. Word of mouth marketing is the best way for a customer to learn about you because beyond just awareness happening there, uh, it's rich in trust. And let's face it, if you know someone who is similar to you that had a great time doing something, you trust that you also will have a great time because you know enough about that person who told you that to understand, would you be likely to have the same experience? Um, you know, and, and, you know, kind of talking to other products uh, out there that live in the sphere of our offering, um, the majority of them are focused on small kind of elements of the bigger picture. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the difference between a, a feature and an overarching platform. And, and so when you look at the, the tools available that are meant to help you get voice or meant to help you get shares on social, they're generally one dimensional. They're not, they're not going to drive um, maximization of the opportunity uh, where our platform is, is quite uh, vast in its capability. And the reason it's vast is not just because we like to endlessly add things to it. It's because we have figured out what does it truly take to maximize every opportunity that can come from guest advocacy uh, while minimizing the amount of time and effort that you actually have to put into it. Uh, because as, so, you know, as someone who's been developing architecture for the hotel industry my entire adult life, the very first thing I learned was it doesn't matter how good uh, something is, uh, a software is for the hotel industry, if it is at all time consuming, it's going to have a high fail rate because uh, hoteliers do not have uh, just excess time sitting around or massive teams that can sit and focus on uh, single tasks. Uh, you, you need to build architecture that understands that a, a, a person at a hotel's time is incredibly scarce. Um, and, you know, they, they can't dedicate a huge effort uh, to any one thing. Yeah. And like you said, this, this platform takes literally 10, 15 minutes a week to manage. So, it, it's not just word of mouth at scale, but it's automated word of mouth at scale, which makes it even more attractive. And for those of you who don't know, Ed and, and his career path before he was at Flip2, Ed was pretty much responsible for the the rise of the channel management product in the hospitality industry. Back in his early 20s, he created a company that you've probably heard of called Easy Yield that eventually he sold to TravelClick. But it was really the first fully integrated, full-featured channel manager that existed in the hospitality industry. So through his career, he's really spent time thinking through architecturally how to, how to build a product, but also how do you maximize that product so that it's going to get adopted and, and the value is going to be real for the hospitality industry. So uh, that's that's part of what he learned in Easy Yacht is what he's applied here to flip to. But having said all that, I do think we probably need to move on from doing a shameless sales pitch for the product yes. and, and start talking a little bit about some of the you know amazing campaigns, the creativity that you're seeing from some of your partners. In, in tying that in a little bit to what you just said about trust, right, and word of mouth and how it builds trust, I think moving forward. One of the biggest challenges the hospitality industry is facing, and one of the reasons we're also cautious, and when we're talking about growth and recovery, 
is uncertainty is rife everywhere, right? We're uncertain. This is all new to us. We don't we don't have a playbook for any of this. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring us. And whenever you have uncertainty in anything, one of the best ways to combat that is to increase the level of trust you have between yourself and whoever it is that's uncertain. So a platform like Flip2 can take someone that's come to stay at the property, had a good time, didn't contract coronavirus, goes back to their home in Ohio, that person now can build trust on your behalf between the brand and their friends and their family. So I think that's what a lot of I've seen be really successful with Flip2. But let's let's go through a couple of specific examples of some partners you're working with and some of the cool campaigns they're running. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, when all of this started going down, um, we wanted to figure out quickly how can we help our partners who are likely going through triage, you know, shut everything off, you know, get everything buttoned up because we don't know how long until we're going to open again. And so, you know, one of the things we wanted to do was give meaningful, easy solutions that our partners could do to maintain uh, a voice with their audiences and and have that voice be authentic and rich in hospitality. And so uh, it, it's, it's actually something that I personally got on uh, the majority of our partner calls. And, you know, part of that was because I wanted to make sure that the messaging came across, which was when everyone is locked in their house, when everyone is not able to travel, they are feeling hospitality missing from their life. Um, because hospitality is not just hotels. It's when you go to a restaurant. It's when you go anywhere that, you know, uh, the service experience is is important. And everyone uh, was missing hospitality. So I wanted to make sure that anything we were going to recommend uh, to our partners, uh, you know, was really where the primary tone was a tone rich in hospitality and, and, you know, kindness and authenticity. And so, you know, we, we started every campaign discussion with that premise uh, to, to help our partners get their heads in the right space of, you know, you can move on from triage. Triage was important, telling everyone, you know, what's going on from an update perspective, what steps you're taking to be safe. Those are all, you know, really important. However, they can't be the only conversation that you're having with your audience because every brand in the world is trying to have that conversation with every person in their database. And it's exhausting. And I'm sure you've all seen it. You now uh, know how Nike is handling COVID. And did you really need to know that? Um, so now more than ever, I need to know that. Now yeah, more I, than ever, we're in this together. <laughs> yeah, but we're not. <laughs> you know, and Stuart, I know you've, uh, you, when you and I were on the town hall, I, you know, I did say, you know, we're not all in the same boat. Um, we were in the same boat the first couple of weeks, uh, but then we quickly all moved into our own boats and we're all in the same ocean, um, which means we're all being affected to some level, but our realities are all different. And that is incredibly challenging from a marketing perspective, because that means even though you're open, you're getting back to some form of, uh, of new regular, 
your audiences are have a mix of people who are also in that type of boat, but are in a boat where, you know what, they may be weeks away from being able to do anything. And so you, you really have to make sure that your tone uh, of your communications uh, is sensitive to the fact that, yes, some people can travel, some people can't. Some people don't want to right now and think it's unsafe. Um, you know, running a balance that isn't going to unnecessarily trigger any of those audiences to have a negative feeling uh, is the challenge of marketing right now. And, and so, go ahead. Oh, I'm saying, and Ed, you know, I think one thing that you're hitting on there as well is it's one of the classic problems with mass marketing is in the case of say Nike, they're literally saying that same message to everybody that, Hey, we're all in this together. And that's where personalization becomes so incredibly important. Uh, you know, if it's personalization in your, your email database, if it's personalization with flip Two, but understand like in your case, understanding that my friends are more likely to be in the same boat in the same ocean that I am than the brand manager for Nike is in my position. Yes. And if you can make those connections, then you really can market more toward, you know, to the analogy, the same boat that your customer is in. Yeah, exactly. And, and I th also think we need to be cautious not to be repetitive. Um, I'm sure you've all seen the video of how every TV commercial is the same right now. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't seen that, you can see it on YouTube. It's uncanny how every single major brand's TV commercial is the same exact commercial right now. Starting with soft piano music and talking about we're in this together and we need each other right now more than ever. So yep. it's all exactly the same. That video made me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Yes. Yep. It burned so, the buttons. So one of the things we wanted to make sure our partners did is, first of all, they had an opportunity to engage a database that they hadn't engaged with a dreaming tone, in some cases, for weeks. Um, and so one of the, the key positions that we recommended everyone take was this you know, hey, we can't be together right now, but we can still have fun together. And and that premise of let's look back on better times. Let's reminisce together so we can dream about the better future. And and that's at the core of every campaign. Uh, and and th that has really hit a, a strong uh, note with all the different traveler audiences. So right now we're experiencing as a platform, um, the majority of our partners are currently running the most successful campaigns they've ever run on the platform. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. One, there's a lot of uh, extra detail and authenticity in these campaigns than normal times. Because normal times, you can kind of just lean on, hey, you know, tell us what was great about your last experience with us, uh, and we'll have some fun together, and you know, uh, there's something good in it for you at the end, is generally the premise of a standard time flip two campaign, and that works well. Um, the problem is, is you know, that ne isn't necessarily um, the most creative approach. And yes, we have partners who've always been more creative than that, and they've always been our top performing partners. However, more of our partners uh, in the last couple of months have have you know opened up to the ideas that we've had for them to get really personal, to put a human voice, to talk 
as if it is a human writing this communication, not a brand, not a building. And and those little nuances uh, mixed with the fact that everyone is uh, a mixture of bored, stressed and dying for some form of distraction uh, has has kind of created this perfect storm that engagements at a, a, a crazy level. And, and so, you know, I'll, I'll kind of take you through just some of the really interesting things some of our partners have done. Uh, that's gotten me excited. And so, you know, the first one I was thinking about is we work with a property in Vermont called the Essex Resort, which is a culinary resort. You go to this hotel to take cooking lessons. And uh, they, upon closing, had made a decision um, that they were going to keep their instructors, uh, both their culinary instructors and even their yoga and spa uh, staff, um, talking to their audiences. So they started a video series of cooking lessons for cooking at home. And they also are running a weekly live stream yoga from their yoga instructor and their spa has been doing, uh, every two days, a video. And these are very simple shot on iPhone type videos of their spa team talking about things you can do at home. And so when we learned that this was going to be their strategy, uh, we tied into them and said, well, listen, those are great. And those are going to get you some views and some likes and some comments and maybe even some, you know, follower growth, but we can get more out of that. So what we actually did was we tailored a campaign behind the, uh, the cooking lessons, uh, which was share your results, pass or fail, share them with us. And so what's happened is, is in these videos, their, uh, culinary instructors have been egging on their audience to share pass or fail. How did you do share, show us your results. And, and at the end of the video, they have a link to actually submit a picture and a story about, uh, what they did, uh, out of this culinary lesson. And the, the response has been amazing. The, the stories have been fantastic. And these people are really, if you think about it, this hotel is giving a sample of why you would come stay at this hotel. You come to this hotel for the great cooking instructions, for the spa, for the uh, the yoga, and they're they're basically giving out free samples, if you will, uh, through social. But they're making that um, you know spread further by actually asking people. You know, show us what you did with this. Show us you enjoying it and then show your friends and family that. So now think about this. You're a friend of someone who all of a sudden is posting this dish that they made and you realize that they learned how to make this dish online through a resort in Vermont that this person knows about. Um, that's a really interesting way to meet a hotel. Yeah, and then what, what reinforces that is a lot of times with your campaigns that you're running there's some kind of incentive or some kind of reason for the person that's now given that warm introduction to get involved somehow either to vote and help their friend win a contest or for them to receive an incentive themselves in, in some cases it could be a discount towards a future stay or something like that that's exclusively to them so that's where you know, earlier ed was talking about how it, it kind of takes people through this funnel that's really the beauty of Flip2. It's not just a, a place where they aggregate photos and stories, but then they take each individual on a personalized journey 
from where they are, wherever that introduction point is, all the way through to then becoming a guest eventually. Uh, yeah, and, and where that starts is actually with a very simplistic question. So you're a friend of someone who's telling a story in a hotel story campaign, and you see that your friend's story, and you want to support your friend by showing some love for their story. And what you see when you do that is the ultimate question, uh, which is a question that you may not even be considering at that time, which is, would you be interested in potentially staying with us at some point in the future? And it's a yes or no question. And the way we present that is, hey, because you know a storyteller and a valued guest of ours, here's a, a rate plan um, that you can unlock for yourself if you're interested in in staying with us sometime in the near future, would you like to receive this? And it's a yes or no question. So everyone who comes in and sees these stories, they are being asked the most important question, which is, are we an option for you for a future trip? Yeah, it's, it's really neat. So that's a great example of, of how people are using platform. You got any more for us? I've got I've got a, a, a few that are, are you know pretty pretty fun. Um, so I want to call out um, so we work with all types of lodging. So we work with vacation rental, we work with hotels, we work with timeshare. And one of our timeshare partners, uh, Westgate Resorts, has run what has to be my favorite campaign that I've seen run on this platform because what Westgate decided to do, was they decided to, for the first time, ask their timeshare owners, what's their favorite part about owning a timeshare with Westgate? And so they promoted this only to their timeshare owners and said, share us your favorite Westgate memory and tell us how long have you been an owner and what's your favorite aspect of that? So the stories that these owners are sharing are, first of all, really personal. It really speaks to what role timeshare plays in travel for these people. And a lot of the answers were, you know, I've been an owner for eight years. My parents were owners and that's why I wanted to become an owner. And if it wasn't for owning timeshare, I wouldn't travel every year. And that's why I love this. And they got over a thousand active storytellers telling that story of why owning timeshare has been good for them. So think about the challenges of timeshares. Most of the marketing you hear are of law firms trying to tell people, we'll help you get out of your timeshare, painting timeshare as bad for everyone. And that's been a really big problem for the timeshare industry. So now Westgate has mobilized over a thousand timeshare owners to each individually tell their story about what timeshare has ownership has meant to their family, but in an authentic way, uh, you know, through the lens of their favorite memory across all their trips with this group and why they cherish the fact that they made that decision to buy a timeshare. I think it's the coolest multidimensional use of our platform that I've seen to date. And the stories are like amazing. Yeah. And I think that taps into one of the other really neat features within the solution and, and that is you know when folks come to your website or they see your social channels they often are listening to your voice to your version which is obviously some filtered version of the truth right you're, you're a brand marketer you're telling people what what you want them to hear but when you tap into this kind of content and, and you can start to use this in all of your marketing 
Think about it from their perspective. So you've got all these people that are doubting the value of timeshare. Now when they receive an email or they visit the website or they see an ad, they're seeing real stories from real people that are telling them authentically, legitimately that this is a this is the value proposition. This is why I like it. And it's a lot more trusted. It comes back to that trust word we used earlier. This is a lot more trusted. And this can what regardless of whether you're a timeshare or, or bed and breakfast, if you put stories from real guests on your website, on your emails, on your social channels, you're going to persuade a lot more people that that is the truth and they're going to trust you a lot more than if it's just you telling them that this is a great place to stay. They're seeing their peers. They're seeing people that look like them, whether it's their friend or not. If they see someone that's like them saying positive things, they're going to be more likely to believe it. And when they see a thousand people saying the same things, just like reviews, it's going to have really, really positive impact. Yeah, and and what's amazing about that is those thousand owners, through all of their sharing, which by the way they're over, they've shared over four thousand times. Their stories have been shared repetitively. Um, that's led to ten thousand people saying, "Hey, I'd be interested in staying with Westgate in the future." Mm-hmm. And and that's amazing when you think about the fact that this was an organic campaign. This yeah. was. They reached their timeshare owners and said, hey, let's have some fun together. You know, we miss having you on the properties. We miss hosting you. So so we can have some fun. Let's look back, share your favorite story. And, and the important aspect of our platform isn't the fact that the timeshare owner was sharing their story with Westgate. Yes, that's great. Now Westgate has a great content library to use and other forms of marketing. The actual biggest aspect of this is what happens after they build their story, which is these people then go on to share this story with their friends and family through their different social networks to show their friends and family what they love about Westgate. And their friends and family will see that they come through a process that actually will lightly nudge them into indicating, would you be interested in ever staying with us? I mean, that's really hard to do in marketing is to understand, like when someone says, yes, I want an offer for a future stay, what you know about that person is so rich because you know how they know you, you know why they initially came to learn about you. And then you know the most important question, which is they have interest. They have genuine interest in staying with you in the future. That leads to a lot of different opportunities for how you can engage that audience moving forward. Yeah. And think about like the customer acquisition costs for timeshare. We've all sat through those presentations for the free cruise or the TV or the something else. And this is just consumer generated content being shared authentically and working people through the pipeline that way. Yeah. It's a completely different experience. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. Uh, this is one of my favorite campaigns that's currently happening um, because it, it is the epitome of, you know, get a traveler to tell their why to their friends and family uh, because they will do it with so much more trust than any other effort you do to try and build that trust with a stranger. 
And and everyone's reach nowadays is huge. You know, when you talk about the impact of a thousand owners sharing to their personal network, uh, the scale of that is insane. Um, you, you know, you're talking reaching, I think they've reached over a million friends and family through those thousand owners. Uh, and, and when you think about what it would take to, to not only just reach a million highly targeted people, and actually I, I apologize, I just looked at it, 1.16 million friends and family reached with a message of why someone they know loves owning timeshare at Westgate. I mean, so the scale of that's gigantic. Yeah. And I can hear right now folks listening that, are you know, at a 10 room, or a 20-room bed and breakfast saying, well, I'm not, I'm not Westgate. I'm not going to get that kind of reach. But we were talking on Lauren's show earlier to, to our good friend Tim Peter, and you know he, he was running a campaign for an 18-room resort or 18-room hotel and ended up getting the most reach you've ever seen on the platform, right? It was over 2.5 million folks were reached through his campaign. So you don't have to have a massive audience. You don't have to have a massive property or a massive budget for this kind of marketing to work because by its very nature, it is viral because people want to tell other people that they know and like about the great experiences they had and their friends and their family want to revel in that and share in that as well. So you can scale this to crazy levels, even if you're a small property, you don't have to be a, a 500 unit, you know, monster resort. Well, and even speaking to that, I mean, yes, Tim, Tim currently holds the record for a single most successful campaign. And he did that with a 18 room mansion, um, you know, that uh, ended up with a warm lead database bigger than any marketing database they'd ever had. Um, but I mean, an example, you know, kind of talking to fun strategies of, you know, uh, of the current times, we have a collection of bed and breakfasts in Key West and it's eight total properties and the eight total properties equal 105 rooms of inventory. And so this isn't a huge network. This isn't a huge audience. And so their whole angle of their campaign was really a premise of, we know you may be missing the views of Key West. So either share with us a favorite Key West memory or share with us what your view from your corner of the world is. And so we had kind of warned them that, hey, you know, opening it up to like the creative of share us a picture of your home may not be, you know, hugely successful. And man, were we wrong. The stories they've gotten from people's homes, the amount of effort these people put into tying something into why they love Key West. And some of the examples were fantastic. Like my favorite was this couple went out in their snowy backyard in bathing suits holding beers. And their story was, our beers stay colder here, but man, are we missing your sunshine right now. And if that doesn't tell the story of why that couple loves Key West this time of year, I don't know what else would. And, and they got 
hundreds of stories. By the way, their scale. So again, 105 rooms of total inventory across eight properties. They have over 340 storytellers in this current campaign that have shared to just over a quarter million friends and family and have just under 4,000 warm leads that have shown interest in an offer for a future stay with these eight bed and breakfasts. Yeah, that's great. All right, we've probably got time for one more. Is there another standout that you want to share with us? Um, Another angle that a couple of our partners have taken different approaches on, but it's an angle I've really liked, is a a few of our partners have decided to make their campaigns not about them at all and instead about the people who their audience love. And so a couple of our partners have really taken this premise of share with us who your favorite travel buddy is. And, and or who your favorite person to travel is uh, with. And um, one of the reasons that angle is pretty interesting is a lot of people travel with extended family. And who are we missing? We're missing our extended family. So this, the dimensions that this angle goes into of emotion is pretty substantial. You know, there's a lot of people missing travel. There's a lot of people missing adventure. But now you're bringing in that element of, you're also asking them about who do they miss having fun with. And the different iterations of this campaign, the stories have been so amazing. And and each version, so like we have Stonewall Resort in West Virginia was kind of the first one to launch this type of angle. And it took a week after just doing a single organic social post. Now, this is a 200-room hotel. This isn't a big hotel. Um, And one social post and one email, they ended up with, over 450 storytellers in the first week. They're now over 600 storytellers. And all the stories are about the people that their audience loves to travel with. And even though the story's not about Stonewall, these people are sharing love. They're sharing the love for travel and all of that as a means of introducing their friends and family to Stonewall, who Stonewall has picked up over 10,000 warm leads from this campaign by not making it about them, instead showing genuine interest in their audience. And I, I really like that angle. I think it's a great angle. Yeah, it's definitely one we've tapped into a lot over the last few weeks. It's, it's you know, understanding emotionally where people are, what they're missing, and then trying to find a way to, to kind of plug that void or at least help them think about better times as, as being really popular. And as we've said on the show before, you know, the only piece of travel that people can't participate in right now is the actual stay. They can do everything else. They can do their planning. They can do their sharing, their reminiscing, their dreaming. All the other phases of their game in, in what this platform does and these campaigns we're talking about today do is they really allow you to tap into that a lot of those other pieces within the travel journey, which is amazing. So, so before, before we go, are, you're not at all going to brag about what (laughs) has done. I mean, uh, you know, I was kind of expecting at some point for you to talk about your favorite flip to campaign, which happens to be (laughs) the most successful currently running flip to campaign. Currently running, so let I, I don't want to boast too much until we get the number one overall spot of all time. But yeah, we we've been, you know, using Flip Two with our clients or on behalf of our clients for a long time. But we we've recently started a campaign of our own. One of the sites that 
Fuel owns, so the ownership of Fuel owns is MetalBeach.com, and so we 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 made a deal with the local CBD here, and we we're co-promoting it with them. Uh, it's it's just their account, but we're running a promotion just to promote the area and try to keep it top of mind and do our part to help during COVID-19. So uh, we're doing pretty well, I'd say, and we're getting really creative. And Ed tapped into one of the, the most, um, I don't know, ferocious <laughs> things on this planet Earth, and that is the competitiveness of Fuligans. Uh, when he told us that we were second or third i think we were probably third or fourth at the time when you said hey you're doing really well it's your first campaign you've run yourselves and you're you're getting up there in terms of the ranking and so as soon as you said that you lit a fire that was not going to end until we got the number one spot so we've been pretty pretty on top of it over the last couple of weeks for sure well and it's pretty amazing that you guys are doing this because this is benefiting so many people in Myrtle Beach, um, because of the way you configured this campaign, um, that this campaign drives the demand across the market, not just to people who work with MyrtleBeach.com or who work with Fuel. Um, it's one of the things that's, besides the fact that I get to you know haunt your your thoughts by your <laughs> ultra competitiveness. I, I'm enjoying the fact that this is so successful because you're doing it to genuinely help your local region that, you know, is your community. Um, and, and, you know, it's really cool. All right, Ed, I'm going to have to stop you, man, because this has turned from a, a infomercial for Flip2 into an infomercial for us. So there's too much love going around. <laughs> we, need to, we need to bring this back down to a sane level. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, but we we've been we've been very happy with the, the platform. The results is driving for us. So hopefully, folks listening to this, you know, whether you want to use Flip Two or not, I think there's a lot of value in the conversations we're having and the think the thought process behind how do you turn your guests into assets in in terms of both aggregating their sentiment, their stories, their photos, but also turning them into advocates in, in helping or encouraging them to become folks that go out and spread word of mouth in leveraging that to generate new business from their friends and family. Because your best next guest is your previous guest. And your best next guest after that is the friends and family of your previous guest. And that's one of the things that we've been talking about all day today is how do we how do we use strategy like this and a platform like this to drive more guests more heads in beds especially right now where there's so much uncertainty and folks need to feel like they can trust the decisions that they're making so yeah good stuff ed we appreciate it we'd love to have you back on the show at some point to share some other campaigns maybe when we're number one and not number two overall of all time we'll have you back to <laughs> celebrate but um yeah thank you so much for coming on and sharing yeah, thanks, these amazing thanks stories. for having me on uh it's nice to be part of the uh the history of the podcast <laughs> what well, it only took us 152 episodes to get you on and i've probably known you the entire time we've been recording but i'm sure it won't <laughs> yes won't you be have. The, I'm sure it won't be the last time and we definitely appreciate your support and flip to support and I'm sure a few of the thousands of people that listen to this show found us because of you guys sharing it or you personally sharing it on social so we, we definitely appreciate that um, so if someone wanted to learn more about flip to if they were interested in potentially evaluating the platform what's the best way for them to do that 
So you can go to flip.to. Um, that's where you can learn about the, uh, the different, uh, angles of how to use flip too. So we work with lodging, we work with destinations, um, uh, we work with attractions. You can also check out our blog. We've started featuring some of these strategies that, uh, we talked about today. Uh, so you can get kind of a deeper understanding of the strategy and, and what it's specifically doing. Gotcha. What in the blogs uh, linked to from the flip two site? Sorry. Yep. Uh, and it's uh, if you wanted to go straight to the blog, it's flip.to forward slash blog. Great. Awesome. And if they wanted to follow you on social, where, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Edward St. Ange, uh, and on Facebook under the same name. Awesome. Thanks. So a couple of housekeeping items, ladies and gentlemen, before we, we leave you today. First of all, we had some listener feedback. Do we have a jingle for listener feedback? I don't think we ever created one, did we? It's Pete on the spot again. I, uh, <laughs> I was just like, what did the listener say? Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, was goodness. the listener a monkey? What was that? <laughs> it, 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 I don't know how. I don't know what a fox sounds like. But I'm going back to the. Oh, what does a fox say? What ding, does ding, the ding, listener? Ding, say? Ding, ding. Okay, gotcha. I'll tell you. Feel free to uh, just erase that part so none of our listeners ever have to hear me say that. Absolutely Actually, not. Please, please loop it and make it available as a single soundbite so we can <laughs> include it on all our signatures. That'll be on iTunes for $1.99. That's right. That's amazing. We have this um, animated GIF of Pete doing this nerd dance when we did. At, we did, used to do a nerd dash on Pi Day. That's a weird sentence. But on March 14th, we always used to do a... a 5k and we called it the nerd dash and we'd all dress up nerdy or superheroes or whatever and one one year we did a contest as well where you could wear the best costume and pete came dressed as a nerd and did this amazing little dance and so we turned it into an animated gif and there's a version of it on youtube uh to a taylor swift song but i might have to re-edit it and now do it to that song it's gonna have to happen i think (laughs) Oh no! I don't. I don't think anything can beat it to the Taylor Swift song, Stuart. It is. Um, it was shake it off. It was, it it off, was yeah. so perfect. Yeah, and it's just we just loop it and loop it, and it's 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 great. But anyway, we had some listener feedback. So what was the listener feedback, Melissa? We had listener feedback from Gina at Sun River Resort, and this is via LinkedIn, and she said. If you work in the hotel industry, you can't afford to not be listening to the Fuel Travel podcast about how to sell in a down economy, what your guests are seeking, and tons of studies they have conducted. It's everything you need to hear. Link below. Awesome. Gina, we really appreciate that, and thank you for being a listener. And anyone else that's listening, we'd love to hear from you, too. You can drop us a line on LinkedIn, or you can go leave a review on the Apple Podcasts app. That would be great because that also helps other people find us. And if you're not the kind of person that wants to publicly tell us that you, we are, or tell people that you're, we are your guilty pleasure, then maybe you can do that in private by just, hey, telling a buddy, spreading the word, letting other folks know about us. So we would really appreciate that. And then finally, I should have kind of foreshadowed this at the beginning of the show, but we, we might have a little bit of, and I know you ladies and gentlemen have been waiting long, long time for this. But we have a little bit of a B news update. Beep 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 beep. beep. 
The buzz so I, I, from Pete. I, I still don't know what you want me to say here other than that the giant Asian murder oh, hornets. Oh, well, hold on, hold on. It's not what I want okay. you to say. It's what the fans want you to say. They've been, they've been emailing us by the droves asking us what Pete's take is on this. Is, is the, the most famous apiarist in the world from the podcast before you murdered all your bees, Pete? People really want to understand what your take is on these murder hornets. So Pete's the original murder hornet. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, they're coming here to learn from me. <laughs> Did you summon them? Do you do you command a, an army yes. of murder hornets? Yeah. Hey guys, I I you know being from Florida, we refer to them as Baskin bees. nice (laughs) that's pretty awesome (laughs) so pete you don't have any anything to say about murder hornets not particularly i i would say that if you have a a beehive to make sure you keep them healthy and restrict the size of your openings with a probably a limiter of some kind just so uh the bees have less area to patrol so there you go. That's There's actually apiary news for the day. Or you could yep. buy a bunch of praying mantis because they apparently eat these hornets like it's the best Ooh. thing. Like it's a Chick-fil-A sandwich because there's videos of them doing so online. It's very, very gross. So there you go. That's maybe what you should do. Yeah. Thanks for the news. Did you guys see, have you seen this thing going around about the Simpsons and how they predicted this, everything that's going on right now? Have of course the they did. I, I would imagine Simpsons Bill did because it. it's anim- animated. So back in 1993, The Simpsons had an episode where there's this flu-like virus that came over from China called Osaka flu. It was, it was actually Japan, I think, wasn't it? It was Osaka flu because they were making, I don't remember, but came from Asia. There was a flu that was infecting everyone. It was a massive pandemic. In the episode, they also referenced President Trump because it was looking at the future and trump was president back in 1993 and in the same episode someone knocked over a big crate of killer bees that were on the rampage and attacking people so three that's a trifecta right there trump president killer bees slash hornets and this asian flu just spreading across the entire world so the simpsons so that's pretty crazy i mean they can predict the future well, it's it's not all that crazy when you consider that only a comedian could come up with the situation that we're currently in. <laughs> very true. This is very, very true. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Well, we, we took a little break. We, we were getting a little burned out. We were doing two, three episodes a week. So we kind of took a week off, but we're going to be back to business next week and trying to record as many. And if you have specific questions or any kind of topics you want us to cover during this crisis as we kind of turn into the next phase, into what's looking forward and recovery phase. If you have specific things you want us to tackle, you can always email us info at fueltravel.com and we'll try to answer your questions on the show or even do a full episode on whatever topic you guys choose. We do the show for you, so please send us in any kind of questions you have. Uh, Info at fueltravel.com. And if you want the notes to today's show, there's probably not going to be many because we didn't really prepare for this show, but you can go and get links to flip to and the stuff we talked about at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 152. And Pete, if they want to find you on the internet somewhere, where can they do that? 
They can find me on Twitter at P DeMeo, P D I M A I O. And Phil. You can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P F O R I S K A. And Melissa. I'm on Twitter at M A Cavanaugh, M A K A V A N A G H. And one more time, Ed, where can they find you? You can find me on any social media, Edward St. Ange. Do not look for me on Twitter. It's only for trolling college football. (laughs) (laughs) You you have been warned. You have been Uh, warned. Yeah. Uh, You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, info at fueltravel.com is the email address if you want to reach out to us. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Don't you go anywhere. But wait, there's more.